0: We're going to go to the 89th Psalm this morning. I'm going to read four verses of scripture and we're going to get right into the word of the Lord. Psalm 89 verse 1. I will sing of the mercies of the Lord forever. With my mouth will I make known thy faithfulness to all generations. Look at your neighbor and tell them, say something. With my mouth. Will I make known thy faithfulness. Verse 2 says, for I have said, mercy shall be built up forever. Thy faithfulness shalt thou establish in the very heavens. And verse 3, this is our text. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have made, this is God speaking, a covenant with who? My chosen. I have sworn to David, my servant. Your seed will I establish forever and build up your throne to all generations. I'm going to preach a message this morning entitled, A Covenant for the Chosen. Can you tell three people that around you? A covenant... For the chosen, can I pray one more time before we sit down? Lord, I stand as a man with his robes dipped in the blood of an unblemished lamb. I stand before these people that you have saved, you have protected, you have preserved and I humbly ask you that for the next few moments of time that you will allow a prophetic utterance to come out of your vessel today that will launch these people out of any trap that the enemy has set for them that will snatch them from any snare that the devil has erected to destroy them or their family I thank you that something explosive and dynamic is going to happen in the spirit today because the word is preached. And I ask you to do what only you can do. As we embark and cross the threshold of this service into your word, I bind every devil. I rebuke any demonic spirit. I speak to the principalities and powers in heavenly realms, and I tell them to back up in Jesus' name. This is God's territory. This is God's region. And these are God's people. Satan, loose your hands from God's people. Now, Father, let a spirit of liberty just drop down on your folks today. Let freedom reign in this house today. Father, I give you praise. Lives will be changed. Not people just charged. But lives will be changed. In Jesus' name. Well, if you're hungry, give him one more big praise before you... Find your seat. Come on. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Clap your hands, to all ye people. You may be seated. Say it one more time a covenant for the chosen. We've been talking about covenant. And the last time I preached in this sanctuary, I told you that a covenant is when two or more parties come together to make a contract. Everyone say the contract. That contract agrees on promises. It agrees on stipulations. It also agrees on privileges. And most important, that contract agrees on responsibilities. I've learned something about serving the Lord, that we are responsible for the freedom he afforded us, you did not get that freedom by yourself. You did not deliver yourself. He delivered you when he hung on that cross, stretched his arms wide, and that blood run down his side. He freed you, he offered it to you. When you accept that freedom, there's an incredible responsibility. That follows that freedom. When you talk about covenant. The preferred meaning of Old Testament vocabulary. Which would be the vocabulary of the Hebrew language. Would be to bond. Or to be bound together. It's the binding of lives together. So that when a Hebrew thought of covenant. They immediately thought of something that had a binding technique to it. It's something that tied someone to someone else. It's not like covenants today. Where covenants are so easily broken. And so easily walked away from. See the the goal of covenant all through scripture is one thing. Unity. Unity. The goal of covenant is unity. The result of covenant is blessing. Say it again, Pastor Rick. The goal of covenant is unity, but the result of covenant is blessing. Glory to God. If you enter a covenant of tithe with the Lord, He said, I will bless you. He said, I will open up windows of heaven and pour you out blessings that there's not room enough to receive. He's that good. If there's one thing that has been attacked in the last two years in the body of Christ, in the church universally, it is unity. Unity has been attacked in the body of Christ. I was reading something the other day about the change in church today. And it said this, that the basis of church unity has shifted from relationship to ideology. And the basis of that ideology has shifted from doctrine to all things politicized. It seems as though a church's doctrinal statement is less important than a church's cultural statement. The cultural statement is now the grounds for not only the breakup of community and unity, but the permission to act with a lack of civility. That's what I read. This is what I wrote. Preachers are more concerned with the dialogue of their content than they are the vocabulary of covenant language. Any business model for church building in this generation, you will hear the words content Two times as much as you hear the word covenant. I've learned something. Help me, Jesus. If we get the covenant right, the content will follow. These one phrase quotes that we call content that are being emphasized over the power of scripture is fostering a malnutrition in the community of believers and we are growing an anemic church that is weak and fatigued in their faith. Words like doctrine and covenant carry with them the feeling of being archaic, like they are old. In other words... We do not use them very much in contemporary language in the church today. I came to submit to you that even though they are not being taught doctrine and covenant, they're not being used doctrine and covenant, you need to learn the potency of their meaning because the entire Bible stands on the merit of, of doctrine and covenant. If you do not properly align your life with the doctrines of Christ, if you do not properly carry the covenant of grace within your heart, it is easy for you to be manipulated. It is easy for you to be distracted. And it is easy to you, for you to be led away From what the unadulterated truth of the word of God presents. Bringing me to the thought. Are we trying to make the Bible relevant to a generation who's never had a proper understanding of doctrine and covenant? Let me again submit a thought to you. Help me Lord. That when you begin to try to alter the Bible to fit a culture or you begin to try to alter scripture to fit a community, you have now embarked on the premises of what is divinely inspired by God, making you to be the sovereign authority for what a world needs to change its mind. What did you just say, Pastor Rick? The Bible is relevant all by itself. On any day, in any year, in any generation, at any time. All you got to do is get the Bible and open the Bible and let the Bible work for itself. It don't need your help. Y'all ain't hearing me preach today. It don't need your interpretation. It It don't need you trying to make it fit. The Bible works. You don't try to make the Bible fit the time. Our responsibility is to preach the Bible and let the people adjust themselves to what is already written. I need 15 believers to give God praise if you stand with that today. The Bible is what we need. The word of God is what we need. So in relation to the covenant, Psalm 89 is unique. I'm going to extract several stanzas from this particular song and present to you an idea concerning covenant. Say that word covenant. Covenant. Verse 3 says, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have sworn to my servant David. Skip down to verse 28 of Psalm 89 and it says, My mercy will I keep for him forevermore. And my covenant shall stand fast with him. Skip down to verse 34, Psalm 89. My covenant, listen to it, I will not break. My covenant, I will not alter. The thing that is gone out, of my lips, says the Lord. Once I have sworn by my holiness that I will not lie. God said I will not lie. David's seed will endure forever and his throne as the sun before me. It shall be established forever as the moon and as a faithful witness in heaven. Covenant is unique because when it comes to covenant, between people, it can only be bilateral, which means we both have to agree to it. If it means buying a house from you or if it means marrying someone else, those are covenants that carry a bilateral connotation to them, meaning we both have to agree. But God is the kind of God That does not need your addendums. He does not need your attitude or your opinions. God is a God that serves to you a unilateral covenant. And He says, All you have to do is sign up. And when you sign up, you become a recipient, not a contributor. You cannot contribute to my covenant. When you sign up to my covenant, it's my covenant. All you have to do is obey. And if you will obey, everything that is in my covenant will come into your life. All you have to do is put your name on the line. And you put your name on, your, on the line by putting obedience in your life. And if you will obey, all these promises will overtake you. If you will obey, all these promises will overwhelm you. If you will obey, everything I promise will come into complete fruition in your life. That's how good God is. So we are called to accept it as it is offered. And we are called to keep it as is demanded. We are called to accept it as it is offered. We are called to keep it as it is demanded. Finally, we will receive the results that God, by covenant, assures that he will give and he will not withhold anything. I could walk out of this building now and feel comfortable and content that I have already preached a powerful word in this building. But, for the sake of satisfying, what I feel that the Lord has put on me today, I'm going to continue. I'm only going to preach for two hours, and then we'll be done. I'm not going to preach that long. I'm just kidding you. I say that in jest. But, I am here to tell you that for the next few moments of time, Every mediocre place in your life is about to be shaken. Every area of complacency in your mind is about to be rocked. What are you saying, Pastor Rick? The Holy Ghost is fixing to tear loose in this building like it did in Acts chapter 2. Anybody in this building looking for an Acts chapter 2 move? Let's get with this. The 89th Psalm is a psalm that is a song of covenant. It's a song of covenant. And it's concerned with one thing. The whole song is concerned with the condition of the covenant. That's my concern. So if I could sing, I would have opened Psalm 89 and I would have just sang it to you. But you don't want that, neither do I. Alfalfa ain't got nothing on me. (laughs) The 89th Psalm is written during the time of captivity. It's the only Psalm that is written by this man that we call Ethan, the Ezraite, Ethan. One Psalm. Oh, he's a unique guy. As a matter of fact, 1 Chronicles will tell you that Ethan, the Ezraite, that there was only one man wiser than him, and that would be the man Solomon. Ethan means to be firm, to be stable, and to be able to endure. His name is important. Because I've learned that songs flow out of the character of who you are. So when Ethan writes this song, It comes from the heart of wisdom, the ability to endure. It comes from stability. It comes from firmness. He's from the tribe of Judah. His name actually means long-lived. In other words, I've been around a while and I've seen some things. The Bible calls this song a masculine. What is that? It's attached to 13 psalms. So a mascal is not just a song, but it is a song of wisdom. It is a song that enforces a lesson in wisdom. It means to instruct specifically to bring understanding about a particular subject. It denotes the idea that Ethan wrote something that he knew about, that he heard about, but now he understood. I heard about it, I knew about it, but now I understand it. Wouldn't it be very powerful if people would write songs out of what they understand instead of what they think they know? Wouldn't it be powerful if we wrote Facebook posts out of things we Thank you understand other than things we think we know Hmm. man i feel the holy ghost yeah i'm not just saying that either i don't just say that if i don't feel it i don't say anything see if you do you, you ever listen to me preaching i'm not saying anything that means i ain't feeling nothing But if I tell you I'm feeling the Holy Ghost, I feel the Holy Ghost. But wouldn't it be good to feel the Holy Ghost in church again? Well, you walk in and praise and worship starts and you can't help but just reach out and touch the glory of God. Where the Spirit of God just fueled the sanctuary. And then prophetic songs started coming forth. What? For the purpose of understanding. A song that is sung that helps you understand what you're going through, why you're going through it. And how you going to make it through. And that's old Ethan. He's good at that. Verse 3 says, I have made a covenant with my chosen. I don't know how the melody went. I have no idea. But he understood this. That God has made a covenant with his chosen. What do you mean his chosen? It simply means that God didn't make the covenant with everybody. come on in here God made the covenant with his his the question is are you his Ah, I, I made a covenant with mine Whew. I didn't make a covenant with just everybody I made a covenant with mine Josh I, I made a covenant with mine my chosen Whew. Look it up. Study it. It literally means I have made a covenant with those that I tried first. Then I selected them. And after I selected them, I elected them. Oh, I didn't take a vote. I had my own counsel. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we decided this one's going to work. So we tried him and we selected him. And we elected him. You got to read about it in Psalm 78 verse 70. He chose David. His servant. Watch it now. And took him from the sheepfolds. From following the ewes great with young. He brought him to feed his people. Israel. His inheritance. What's the Bible say? He chose him. How? He took him from following. What are you saying Pastor Rick? Because he could follow, he was chosen to lead. He took him. He fetched him. He was in reserve, study it, to sin for for the purpose of winning. I trusted him and I held him in reserve till I needed him to lead my people to victory. Some of you are living with a choosing on your life and you're wondering when God will make manifest the thing you know you've been carrying. God knows exactly the right time to bring you out to the forefront. Let me, let me just work this for a minute because I think there's an interesting uh, uh, dialogue here that many times we just jump over. He said, I chose him and took him from following after. He followed after the sheep. Hmm. Many have never learned the value of being after because they so desire to be before. Y'all just missed that right there. Many people miss the value of being after because they want so bad to be the one that is before Good God, have mercy. John the Baptist said, not that there is one coming before me. He said that there is one coming after me. If Jesus, excuse me, I feel the Holy Ghost, if Jesus knew the value of coming after something, then where have we lost The value of following after something. Why do you think your voice has to always be preeminent? Why do you think your voice has to be the one that's always heard? Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. There's something powerful about the art of following. Good followers make great leaders. I'll say it again. Good followers make great leaders. He tried him with sheep. He qualified him with lambs. Never devalue what God is using to qualify you for leading people. He did not qualify him by giving him a congregation, he qualified him by giving him a flock. If you can lead a flock of sheep and do it right and I can try you with that and you got to walk home every day with sheep dung on your sandals and be content in following after sheep then I can trust you. If you don't complain about the pasture I can trust you to lead from a palace but if you complain all the time about the stench of the sheep then you're going to have a hard time dealing with the arguments of the people. you got to be qualified in the pasture before you can leave from a palace. Jesus said, when you come to a dinner, sit at the end of the table, not the head of the table. Everybody that comes in wants to go before. But God is looking for a generation of people that say I know how to be second. I know how to be third. I know how to be somewhere in the line. I'm not even looking for position. I'm not even looking for a title. All I want to do right now is just be a good follower God has a way of choosing us out of real conspicuous places when he saved me he reached way down in the mud of Louisiana I don't know where he found you I don't know where he chose you. All I know is where I came from. And when I look back at the rock from which I was digged and the quarry from which I was hewned out, I can't do anything but say only God can reach down and save a Cajun boy from Louisiana. that was rebellious and obstinate. My mic don't sound right because you ain't responding right. Don't look at me like you're not hearing me, like you was born with a silver spoon in your mouth, already saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. Nobody in here qualified for the life we now live. Jesus qualified us. I don't ever want to forget where I came from. I don't ever want to forget parking a 65 Mustang in a ditch nose down and out of my mind. I don't ever want to forget them days because that's what God chose me out of. Oh, don't look at me funny because Isaiah 4810 says this. I have chosen you out of the furnace of affliction. I have chosen you when you are in a furnace of affliction. I'm going to say it again. I have chosen you, not when you were good, not when it was pretty. No, I chose you when it was ugly, it was on fire, and everything was going crazy in your life. I chose you in the furnace of affliction. Jesus said, you did not choose me I chose you many of us act with an entitled attitude that we are some kind of specially favored people because we chose to serve Jesus no you did not Jesus said you did not choose me John chapter 15 he said I chose you you are only here because I nudged your heart you are only here because I convicted you in your soul. You are only here because I chose to shine the light of grace on your life. You didn't choose him. He chose you. I'm going to go a bit further. When he chose you, he didn't ask your brother's permission. He didn't ask your cousin's permission. He didn't ask nobody's permission when he chose you. He looked at you with your jacked up self and said, that's the guy that I'm going to choose. I'm going to try I'm going to select i'm gonna elect him peter said it like this don't forget who you are you are a holy nation you are a chosen generation that you should declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light That tells me that people who have been called out ain't got no problem with praise. People who know they've been chosen ain't got no problem throwing their hands up and lifting their voice and giving God praise. People who are stingy with their praise, not for sure they really been called and chosen. I'm gonna ask you, to take 10 seconds if you know he chose you if you know he called you if you know he marked you I'm going to ask you to take 10 seconds throw your hand in the air and lift your voice and tell him Lord I thank you for choosing me that's pretty good look back at where you were when he found you Look at your neighbor and tell them, you have no idea. You have no idea. See, because if we gave our, turn me up. Maybe it's me not hearing me. Put me a little high in my mic right here. Take the mid out. There you go. It's sounded sharp now. I like it when it's sharp. I don't like it when it's dull. I don't like it when it's mid-range. I need to high lift it up so I can hear the God is good all the time tell your neighbor god is good and he's good all the time when i look back over my life and know all that god has done for me how he chose me out of a generational curse i can't keep my mouth shut i can't keep my praise down i can't keep my worship quiet throw your hands up and shout one more time give him praise today Watch. Somebody scream this with me. He knows who he chose. Say it again. He knows who he chose. You can be seated now if he knows who he chose. He said, I have made a covenant with my chosen. Woo! I have made a covenant contract with my chosen. Can I have a piece of paper, envelope, anything? Just let me see. There you go. Thank you, Eric. I have made a covenant with my chosen. I have made a contract with my chosen. So when my chosen gets in any kind of trouble, when my chosen gets discouraged, despondent, or depressed, All they have to do is go back and pick up the contract and remind themselves that the contract says I am the head and not the tail. I am blessed in the city. I'm blessed in the field. I'm blessed when I when I come I'm blessed when I go. The problem with the church today is we ain't reading the contract right. Tell somebody, get back to the contract. Get back to the covenant. If God said it, he gonna do it. All right.
1: Say it again. He knows who he chose.
0: That means he knows every idiosyncrasy. He knows every tendency. He knows every propensity. The other day, we were live on Facebook, my wife and I. And I don't think people know how to deal with Pastor Rick's transparency. (laughs) And I said, we were going through the nine fruits of the spirit, goodness and gentleness and self-control and joy and peace. And then it came on that ugly word, patience. Patience. Giovanna just going through them baby that's you, that's you, that's you then she got the patience and she said that's not you I said that ain't me honey I have no patience well you know you need to let the Lord work on you in that area of patience I've been saved for 45 long years I still ain't patient I have prayed, I have fasted, I have read the word, I still ain't patient. Why? Because I don't believe anybody in here has mastered all nine fruits of the spirit. If you have, I need to check where you left your wings at the door because you are not an angel, you are not divine. Yours might not be patience, but you might not be so gentle. Some other area... Mine is patience. I was impatient this morning. I said, Girl, I'm going to wait on you. Help me preach here. I said, And then I regretted it because she made me late again. And I, I, I don't like being late. I don't like waiting on nobody. I don't like waiting for you to change. You know, I ain't even got time for you to change. I'm like, all right, you saved, live right. You're saved, don't commit adultery. Simple to me. Well, I need counseling. No, you need change. I ain't got patience. You don't want me to counsel you. Pastor Rick, can I meet with you? I need some counseling. No, you don't want that. Because I'm going to look at you like, what's wrong with you? You should have had this taken care of two weeks ago. Are you on, I'm just saying all that. to Say this. God knows who he chose. Can I finish this word? Have I been preaching 36 minutes or the service been going for 36 minutes? Let me ask you a question, for real. How many of you will give me five more minutes? Raise your hand, hold it up, hold it up. Five, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30. Tell your neighbor, we're gonna be here for a while. No, I'm gonna I'm I'm be done in just a few minutes. Man, I feel like God showed up and said, I am on your side. Tell your neighbor, God's got your back. He's got your back. He knows when you're impatient, he still loves you. He knows when you've not been so tender and gentle, he still loves you. He said, I made a covenant with my chosen. If I wasn't sure I was chosen, I would not have confidence in the covenant. Right path, but because I know I'm chosen. I got full-blown, 100% confidence in the covenant. Don't miss what I said, Charisma. Don't miss what I said. I've got confidence in the covenant. I don't have confidence in all things Rick Hawkins, but I got confidence in that covenant. Tell your neighbor the devil's getting nervous right now. Why is he getting nervous? Because he knows you're about to walk into a realm of revelation that you've never enjoyed before. Ooh, Lord. You better know that covenant ain't nothing to play with. That covenant is real. I'm going to finish He said, my mercy will I keep for him forever, and my covenant shall stand fast with him. Verse 28, shall stand fast with him look at it. It means to build up and support. It means to foster as a parent or to nurture or tend to as a nurse. Wait a minute. My covenant will tend to him as a nurse. Can y'all look at a man that's been sick right up here? Here, This guy. 38 days pretty much in my house. 38 days. Went from some kind of viral congestion pneumonia whatever you want to call it for 20 something days came over here and preached for y'all two weeks ago and on that wednesday tested positive for covid put me back in the house got over covid and the winter storm showed up y'all say that's why this man's acting so crazy he got cabin fever he's just glad to be out the house in louisiana we would say you ain't never lied In Louisiana, we say, about to get my hind leg out there backwards like this. (laughs) Shake a hind leg. Now listen. When I was going through what I was going through, and everybody can give their own testimony. I'm in there praying. I told God, I'm finna call my brother, tell him, bring me to the hospital because I can't breathe. And I really couldn't breathe. I couldn't get no oxygen. I got in that shower, I put my hands on that shower and that hot water running down on me and I'm trying to get air and I can't get air. I said, I'm finna call Josh or Randy. Somebody get in the call. (laughs) Happened four times. And every time that happened, I had to forcibly, some of y'all gonna identify with this that's going through this stuff. I had to forcibly make my mind go to a moment. What you saying, Pastor Bree? A moment where I was in a van with about five other guys and we was worshiping the Lord till literally the glory of God sat down in that van. And I experienced that all over again. That's the power of memory. And in the shower, I felt the glory of God come down on me again. I had a vision that I was in the desert walking by myself and I couldn't breathe. And there was an old gas station in the desert, that orange sign out there. And I walked up to that gas station. I had both hands on my knees and I was praying, God, I'm gonna die. I'm gonna die. And I wasn't all the way asleep. I wasn't all the way awake. I was in the land of betuinity. And suddenly I had a vision. An angel about nine foot tall walked out. And he was dressed in white. But I thought it was the death angel. He didn't have a smile on his face. He was very stern in his visage. And he walked right up to me and looked at me right in my eyes. And he stuck his hand right in my chest. And he put his big hand all the way around my heart. And he said two words, be calm. He pulled his hand out of my chest. He turned around and he walked back to that service station when he did i woke up i took a deep breath and i felt so relaxed and so comfortable and i heard god say i am a god of covenant are you hearing what i'm telling you I don't know why God did that for me. I don't know why I had that vision. All I can do is give you my testimony and tell you, my God, today, if you're walking in covenant with God, two words, be calm. Why? Because covenant will stand fast with my servant. It will nurse him. My nurse walked in my life. That Are y'all hearing me? Walked in my life that night. He tended to me. Glory to Jesus. Somebody say thank you, thank you Lord. To foster as a parent. It means to help you grow. The covenant is not given to condemn you. The covenant is given to support you. Did you hear what I said? The covenant is given not to condemn you. The covenant is given to cover you and carry you. The covenant is given to support you. God is good. I'll skip this. You know what? I'm going to go ahead and close it because I'm sincerely halfway done. And if I don't close it, we're going to be here too long. And I'm not here to see how long I can keep you in church. But I am here to remind you one last thing. He said, My covenant in verses 34 through 38 is a covenant of sure mercy. With my chosen. If it's a covenant of sure mercy, Isaiah said, The covenant that I have made with David is a covenant of what? Sure mercies. Mercy is the characteristic of God that endures forever. The mercy of the Lord endures how long? Well, if it endures, that means it's facing opposition. If you're enduring something, it means you're going through it. See, you never go through anything in life that mercy doesn't walk with you. Surely goodness and shall what? All the days help me in this building. It's built up mercy. It's mercy in storage. Denoting the idea you can never use up all of God's mercy. That's the covenant. I say it like this. The code to covenant is a cry for mercy. Where do you come up with that, Pastor Rick? Let me take you to a story. Jesus is in a town. And there's a man there that is blind, and he starts crying out to Jesus, Jesus, son of who? When he said that, son of David, Jesus stopped. Why? Because who's the covenant with? Talk to me, Everett. Who's the covenant with? David. The covenant of mercy is to David. And Bartimaeus said, Jesus, son of God, no. I know your line, Jesus. I know what covenant you came through. You came through the covenant of David. And David's covenant is sure mercies, steadfast mercies. So he says, Jesus, son of David, give me a miracle. No. He didn't say that. He said, Jesus, son of David, talk back to me. Have Come on, Vicky. Have mercy on me. He didn't say give me a miracle. He said, give me If we would stop asking for miracles and start asking for mercy, we would get the miracles we were asking for. Jesus said, call that man unto me. In other words, Jesus was impressed that this boy knew the line of covenant. He said, get that guy over here. He knows something y'all don't know. Tell your neighbor, I know something you might not know. Amen. What is that? I know that the covenant is a covenant of mercy. When he comes to him, Jesus said, what do you want me to do for you? Y'all just missed that because your mind now is wondering. You're thinking about the roast beef now. Come back here. Come here. I got five minutes left with you. Come here. (laughs) He says, son of David, have mercy. Call that guy here. He said, what do you want me to do for you? Did you hear what Jesus just said? He said, what do you, Josh, did you hear? What do you want me to do for you? The boy could have asked for anything. Because when you know the code of the covenant, it opens the door of heavenly privilege. See, but when you think you deserve it and you qualified for it, you're always trying to find the combination to get in. But when you know it's only by his grace, when you know it's only by his mercy, and you say, Son of David, have mercy on me, he says, What do you want me to do for you? Bartimaeus could have asked for anything. And what did he say? I want my sight back. You get what you ask for. Jesus touched him and his eyes were opened immediately. Yeah. Folks, I'm submitting to you today that there's a covenant for the chosen. And when you know the line and when you know the code, anything's available to you. Yeah. Gerald, I heard God tell me plain this week these words. Rick, I am still for you. Now listen that might not register with you but sometimes you just need a pat on the back from your daddy. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you? My son was going through something two days ago and I called him. We got into a discussion and I started daddying him. I started getting on him and I know Dustin he just locked down. And when he locked down, I knew. I overstepped my boundaries. And I backed up. I said, Dustin. He said, yes, sir. We were on FaceTime. You're standing in the right spot. <laughs> I said, Dustin, I want to apologize to you. Come and he didn't say nothing. He was waiting for the apology. <laughs> I said, I put my foot in business that's not mine. And I said, I'm sorry for that. You're a 41-year-old man. I have no business treading in your territory. I said, now I'm going to ask you to forgive me, and I'm going to tell you what God told me two days ago. He said, what's that, Daddy? I said, I am for you. When I said that, big old smile. He, he was smiling like a possum eating fresh berries. He smiled all the way from, he, was, he smiled big enough he could eat a banana sideways. He needed to hear daddy say, I am for you. Do you see it, Woody? The covenant is all about God saying, I am for you. Everything in this world can be against you, but I am for you. Sickness can be against you, but I am for you. Your friends turn on you. God says, I am am for jump on your feet throw your hands up and say he is for me say it come on he is for me he's for you would you lift your hands please anointing do your job anointing do your job go to work here somebody has been so depressed living in doubt fear anxiety worry We dismiss it today. Pull the contract out. (laughs) Pull it back out. Bless the Lord. Oh my soul. And all that is within me bless his holy name. And forget not all his benefits. Where are the benefits? They're in his covenant. He promised and God will do what he said he would do.